Welcome. Welcome back. Once again, I am your host, 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast, obviously. Today, I've come prepared. We're fully loaded in this podcast, which is not only just about video games, sports, things that interest me, such as comic comic books and comic book characters and nerdy stuff like that. Comic-Con this week, I think even this weekend as well, we got some Comic-Con stuff. We got some sports stuff. Again, another football player reacting to their <clears throat> to their Madden NFL rating. We got the All or Nothing documentary series on the Carolina Panthers that was released, I think, on Friday of last week. Not gonna lie to you, I started to like Cam Newton watching that <laughs> not watching that documentary. We got Dak Prescott contract talks. We got Amari Cooper con- contract talks. Some NFL stuff as well. More NFL stuff that I'm gonna get into later. And finally, we got we got some stuff about JHI and the Amari Cooper contract. You can find this awesome podcast. On obviously Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. You can find us everywhere. There is a podcast. I don't know of any other place where you can get podcasts, but you can probably find this podcast on those other podcast platforms. We're starting off fresh. Today we're starting off hot. I've seen a lot of videos recently over the past year talking about Fortnite. Yes, we're going to start with with Fortnite today. I want to get this off my chest because I, I was going to create a whole video about this, but the, 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 the concept of this frustrates me to know, and, and I know it's clickbait, and I just want to address this here. The Fortnite is dying memes. The, the Fortnite is dying just con- constant stuff. I'm not really going to use a whole bunch of logic here because I feel like it's just such an obvious example of, um, of just, like, uninformed people talking about esports and games with high player counts. And they just are like, well, we know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. Da-da-da-da-da. We're going to look at one thing only and, and just report on it. And I know Fortnite is an obnoxious topic, so I'll keep it quick. I've seen some, uh, I've seen everyone use the, the Google Trends, right, as like the thing that they use to source, like, oh, okay, Fortnite's failing now because Google Trends says that it's failing. Everyone says that. To me, I use a little, I, I use a little bit more logic. I'm not just another guy on the internet just watching the Google Trends. I didn't even know that was a thing. Everyone tries, everyone, everyone tries to use Google Trends. They first say, well, we don't, uh, excuse me. Well, we don't know the concurrent player base of certain games, of certain video games, like Fortnite, like Apex Legends, like, um, what else? What else? Uh, Overwatch, PUBG. No, we know PUBG. I have, I have PUBG's player base right now. But there's certain games we don't know their concurrent player base. So to try and follow trends, and trying to find a, a correlation between certain games and certain things. Well, let's look to Google Trends. Obvious place, right? I saw a video 
about a guy who was pretty much talking about the same concept, Fortnite dying, and he used Google Trends and he used the Steam charts to pretty much make a comparison. Simply put, the numbers didn't match up at all whatsoever. And he said that, oh, this was so stupid. I was like, I cannot believe this video got so much traction. But he pretty much said that the reason why the two graphs, the PUBG graph on Steam charts and the PUBG graph on Google Trends didn't match is because Google Trends has five lines and PUBG's lines on Steam charts has three. Yeah, that's the reason. It's not because the Steam charts measures actual concurrent players and PUBG's Google Trend, it matches up just interest over time. And what it does is it does by percentage, not by player count. So on Google Trends, by the way, you don't actually know the, the concurrent player numbers. It's only just what people type into their little keyboards. And there's specific parts in the graph, like in December of 10, uh, December 10th through December 16th of 2017, where it peaks. And also, I'm trying to find out here, March 18th through March 24th of 2018, where it peaked again. Just peaks in the graph of just interest in PUBG, and then it just fell off from there. We're on Google Trends, by the way, where the game just peaked. And then I go in, and then I go on this Steam chart, and the data just doesn't match up whatsoever. And, I'm, and it blows my mind whenever people just use Google Trends as like a source, and I'm like, you people have no idea what is going on within the esports community. Like on Steam charts, the player count, the, player, the concurrent player base just drops after December, of tw December 25th, 2017. Just keeps on dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and boom. To where we are today, to like 632,610 people. And I just don't get it. I just don't get how people aren't called out on this. Or maybe it's because people just don't care. But all in all, I'm just surprised about the traction overall. I'll finish this with this. I'll finish this topic with this here just to kind of like confirm some suspicions that i had on the whole google trends thing i looked up league of legends right let me let me actually look up the concurrent player base of league of legends and i did some some research on fortnite as well but again i kind of want to move past this topic because it's not that interesting i did some research on league of legends it's one of the most popular video games currently played on PC. Let me pull up the Google Trends as well. And I knew that I knew that specifically League of Legends was just not interesting or it wasn't it, it's been on the decline for years. Like it peaked multiple times where it got like multiple by the way multiple times where it had just hit the peak interest, which I didn't do a good job of explaining what Google Trends is. So pretty much Google Trends is a metric a way of analyzing the actual like what's a hold on, hang on there's a there's an actual definition here we go let me number so the interest over time that's what google trends is the interest over time let me read you the actual description numbers represent searched interest relevant relative excuse me to the highest point on the chart for the given region and time a value of 100 is the peak popularity for the term. A value of 50 means that the term is half as popular. A score of zero means that there was not enough data for this term. 
So if you have a 100 score, that means that you peaked. That's that's as high as it's going to go, and that's as high as it will ever go. And obviously, there's going to be adjustments to the peak as more peaks rise, but pretty much, like, the peak is what the standard is for the game. And Fortnite, I've seen it peak. To me, it's not peaked. It, it has peaked, but at the same token, the player base is pretty healthy, right? The same thing goes with League of Legends. It peaked in 2014, and according to this website... What's it called? Unranked Smurfs. In 2018, the player base was between 81 million to 100 million. And I can 100% believe that. 100% believe that. League of Legends is a super popular video game and esport. And I just, I feel like the West especially, they just don't get it. Like, they're like, oh, wait, uh, we, we just, we just don't play League of Legends here. And it's like, they play it in Asia. They Like, a lot of people are like, well, they play it in South Korea. No, they don't. They play it all over Asia. They play it in China. They play it in Thailand. They play, they play it in Singapore. They play it all over Asia. They play it all over Europe. They play, especially in Europe. They take it way more seriously here, or in Europe, excuse me, than in, um, in League of Legends. Oh, my God. Than, than in the United States, not in League of Legends, excuse me. So I think that's it for that whole topic. And also, by the way, I'm surprised no one uses Twitch. Like, Twitch is, like, the easiest way to determine if a game is popping or not on Twitch. Like, if it if it has a high viewer count on Twitch, that is going to correlate more with the player count um, in the actual game. At least it's going to represent the player count way more. Right now, I'm looking at Twitch, the highest game right now, and it fluctuates on an hourly basis, by the way. But currently... It's Grand Theft Auto V with 177,000 viewers, Fortnite with 165,000, then Team Fight Tactics, which is a League of Legends branch, which is a branch of the League of Legends game, the main game, of course. Then you have League of Legends, which is the actual game. Then you have Just Chatting, which I think is just like a video series. I don't know. World of Warcraft, Minecraft, Counter-Strike, Dota 2, Apex, right? You have all of these games. Uh, by the way, on like a daily basis, I think it will be like Grand Theft Auto V, GTA, oh my god, that's the same game, Fortnite, League of Legends, Minecraft, World of Warcraft, Dota 2, Apex, Counter-Strike. Besides really, like, I think for years, it's pretty much been Grand Theft Auto V, League of Legends, Dota 2, and Counter-Strike that have just been in, like, the top 10 consecutively for years. Years upon years of just uninterruption. And no one cares. No one just, every, no one uses an actual metric of how watchable a game is, which means also it can be very, very playable. If a game's watchable, it can be very, it can be played a lot. I think another metric that people are just not even using is sales. It's, it's just like, listen, when you're trying to find a statistic that's going to have concurrent, like a concurrent player base, like Twitch is a good way of using, uh, uh, Twitch is a good source to use the monetary, the monetization of the game, like how much money people are spending, and also time, if you can't find the actual concurrent base. But people, they just, they just don't know how to research these types of games. And I thought that it was just like, it was so interesting at how bad some of the videos were. But now I don't have to create a 10 minute video about this and edit it and talk about it. It, 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 it was just a nightmare to me to try and get that done. Also, another great source to look up, you know, concurrent 
player base and you know who's who's playing the game and da 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 da, da is pro players because they actually know how to play the game, especially pro, pro players or pro gamers, as Dr. Disrespect would say, pro gamers who actually have to play the game. Like it's their job, they're on an organization who is marketing, not marketing, but has a specific team like a Fortnite team, and it's their job to play Fortnite. Not necessarily it's their job to stream, but it's their job to play that specific game because they're trying to qualify for the World Cup. Kind of like how I think the World Cup is this weekend. I'll talk about the World Cup later on, but I'll finish this with multiple pro gamers that are like entrenched within the Fortnite community that are trying to qualify or have already qualified for the World Cup. They're talking about this game, and it was like almost a month ago on June 28th, I think, when this video was released. Here's some pro players talking about Fortnite and the state of Fortnite. What's your thoughts on Fortnite starting to slowly die? Google Trends shows that many people aren't searching or watching Fortnite anymore. Do you think Fortnite is dying? Do I think Fortnite's dying? Fortnite obviously isn't as... Hold on, I'm mute. Because this might be a third video, I don't care. Um, Fortnite isn't necessarily dying. It won't die for a long time. But it's definitely not as big as it once was before. It's That's... Also, I mean, you could obviously know that for, like, pros. Like, pros, like, we don't enjoy the game. Obviously, you know, just casual players don't enjoy it. It's not dying. It won't die for a quite long time. But it wasn't where it once was. Uh vibe. But thank you for the $5 there, bro. Thank you, thank you. It's still popping, though. Like, it's still really good. Still, It's still one of the biggest games out there. But, yeah, it's not dead yet. It's declining, but it's not dead. People say it's dead. It's not. What are your thoughts on Fortnite starting to slowly die? Many players have been quitting and their earnings are reportedly down 70%. Do you think Fortnite is dying? Uh, nah, it's just not as hype as it used to be. It's not dying though. Thanks for the two dollars. Okay, so there you go. I think the best, like, just TLDR, the best way that I can uh, explain it, the hype beasts are gone. I, the people who were playing it just to just because it was a popular thing they're gone that's why it's declining do i think it's declining yes but they still have tens of millions of players that play it annually like imagine if someone like spends like they earned a billion dollars in revenue last year just based off of a free-to-play game it's a free-to-play game so that's all that's all i'll say on the uh the fortnite apocalypse it's dying the thing that people have been predicting for over a year that hasn't come to pass. So, moving on. Madden moved... Oh, God. Sorry about that. Madden moved on the NFL, I think, the, uh, the last couple of weeks where they were pretty much talking about how their players, they released their, their rankings for certain players, their, their numbers. And, I mean, some people have been taking it seriously. I haven't been taking it seriously. Just for the simplicity of the fact that I understand that these numbers that are in the Madden community, that are in these games, they're just false. It's just a way to make more money for EA. EA's like, hmm, what's a way to make more money for our players, from our players? Then they just say, well, we can just add in a bunch of cards that don't represent the actual player rankings initially. And then later on, we can add what their numbers represent actually and players have to buy both cards in Madden Ultimate Team or Mutt again and again and again to try and keep up with the meta 
or at the very least to try and at least play with the maximum capacity. I don't know how any of this isn't illegal, to be honest with you. This just seems like false advertisement. It's a terrible, gated way to design a game. And yet, these games sell like hotcakes. I, I cannot explain it. But here's the quote from the, uh, the Madden executive that talked about how Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, is the seventh best quarterback in Madden. Here we go. Designer for Madden explained the rating, saying Rodgers has been kind of taking a bit of a downhill slope the past three years. His accuracy has gotten progressively worse over the past two years. And while he might have been playing hurt, we can't really project how much that impacted him because we don't know everyone who was hurt and how much it impacted Sorry, them on a week-to-week -week basis. So we can only base it off of the film we're seeing. We saw a different Aaron Rodgers the past two years than we had seen in years past. Okay, so there you go. That's the quote from the uh, the game designer. I have no idea what that means. Um, is that the level designer? Is that the maps? Is that the stadiums? I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you because I don't know. But with Madden 20, I did a quick search, Google search on Aaron Rodgers' stats. Excuse me. What did he say for the past three years? So pretty much from 2016. His completion percentage from 2016 is 65%. Then it went down in 2017 to 64%. Then it went down again to 62%. In 2018, he had 25 touchdowns, 4,442 yards. 2017, the year he got hurt, he got 1,675 yards, 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. 2016, probably his best season in recent pass, 4,000. 428 yards, 40 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Boy, am I glad that I'm not having to face off against 2016 Aaron Rodgers. I, listen, the, uh, as, as much as I think Aaron Rodgers is not going to be as great, how old is he? He's 35 years old. I'm so glad he's not going to be as, he may not be as great as he is, but listen, if he has a high completion percentage, which is 65 Last year, he got a low completion percentage. He had 25 touchdowns, two interceptions, 62 completions. 62%, excuse me, completion percentage. I don't think Rodgers is the worst quarterback. As a Cowboy fan, not the worst, but the seventh. Do I think he's seventh? No. I think it's like Mahomes, then Brady, then Rodgers. Just straight up. I think that's how it is. Am I going to take Russell? Who, who am I going to take besides those three? Like, am I going to take Drew Brees? No. Am I going to take... Hold on. Who did they put in front of Rodgers? Am I going to take Phillip Rivers? Who, who's like a great quarterback? Phillip Rivers, Andrew Luck. Obviously, I said Mahomes, Brady. I can't... Hold on. Let me meet someone. So there's there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Okay, so I have the top 32 NFL quarterbacks. By the way, holy fuck, man. Holy crap. Does Mahomes look so fucking terrible? 
I don't know how these people get paid. I don't know how they have a job. The people at Madden. Like, I have no idea how they have a job. They, they, they are like, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, uh, he looks so fucking ugly, dude. Pause, by the way. Not even ugly, he just doesn't look like himself. Let me, let me pull up an image of him. He looks like they just put Vaseline all over his face. His hair looks like it's from the 70s. And I mean, uh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me do a side-by-side -side comparison. Hold on. I, like, there's something about his face in Madden that just, it just doesn't look like him. Like, I get it, it's a video game, but it's just like, holy fuck, man, his face looks so fucking terrible. Holy shit. And I saw, like, I, I, I don't know where this clip is, but I saw it on Twitter. I saw this Ezekiel Elliott, like, the when he does the, the like, the feed me first down thing. Like, he just, like, his arm just, like, looked like it had fell off. Or his hand had looked like it had fell off. It was, like, the worst animation ever. They need to fire whoever is doing their animations because they're terrible. Or they just need to give the developer way more time. Or they just need to release the game for free on PS on the PSN and Xbox Live and just, like, bite the bullet and be like, we're not going to charge our consumers for this crap because it's terrible. It really is r that bad. It is so terrible. Oh, my God. Let me scroll all the way down. By the way, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to comment on Prescott. So yeah, it's um it's Philip Rivers, number three, a ninety four, Drew Brees, Luck. I said I I'm predicting this like straight out the gate. I said Rivers, Brees, Luck. I didn't say Wilson. I don't think. And then it's Rogers. And then of course they have Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger, Newton. Newton is an eighty four. What? First and foremost, how is Baker Mayfield ahead of Deshaun Watson? How? How? That makes no sense. I, I, I'm getting mad. I'm getting aggravated. Not mad. I'm not mad yet. I'm getting aggravated just looking at some of this list. How is, is Mayfield ahead of Watson? What, what, what was the, what was the Falcons record? What was what was Ryan's numbers last year? Hold on, let me look this up. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Holy crap. His numbers are so gaudy. His numbers are like his numbers are like, like wearing like eight, or not eight, but like five really, really big diamond rings. His completion percentage last year was 69.4%, uh, 4,924 yards, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Let me look at his overall career. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards since 2011. 
Those are some gaudy ass numbers. You know what? You know what? I get it. I get why everyone is like in love with Matt Ryan. I didn't get it. I get it now. Since 2011, he has he has thrown for over 4,000 yards every single season. Holy, but Jesus, man. That's a lot of yards. That is a crap ton of yards. And the last time he had a passer rating less than 90 was 2015. And it's never gotten below 80. I get it now. I, I get it. I get it. I get why. I get why Ryan is just this, 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 like, enamored quarterback. He puts up some of the most, like, I'm looking at his stats. He puts up some of the most gaudy numbers I've seen. Let's look at his 2000, but he doesn't win football games. Why doesn't he win football games? I'm trying to find his record. Like for the past couple of years. I mean, here we go. Pro, I'm on pro football reference if you want to follow with me. Please, can I just thank you? Thank you. Okay, so what's his record? 2000. From 2011. And this is when I remember when I was talking about his gaudy numbers. His gaudy numbers started in 2011. 10 and 6, 13 and 3, 4 and 12, 6 and 10, 8 and 8, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 7 and 9. His overall career win loss 102, 72 no ties. Thank God. I would rather take a loss than have a tie. I hate ties. His career completion percentage is 65. How is this guy, like, how does he not win? How does he not, not win, excuse me, but how does he not, like, have more playoff appearances like he hasn't been in the play I, I think he was in the playoffs last season not 2018 but 2017 I get it I get why so many people love Ryan you know and I'm not mad about that I'm not mad at, about that at all I'm not going to talk about Cam Newton just yet f f hold on pause how is Matt Ryan in 89 he should be like a 93 you know what? I'm not going to debate semantics with EA. They just want to make more money. But Newton's in 84. That's Goff is in 83. I think that's correct. Watson is in 82. Prescott is in 81. They're just trying to make more money. That's my response for everything now. Stafford is a 79. They put Goff or Garoppolo at a, at a 78. And they put Foles at 77. Because Foles just doesn't win games on the road in the playoffs. They put Jackson, Lamar Jackson, at, uh, at a 76. I have no idea why... why. How the fuck is, a, is, is Fitzpatrick in Winston? I'm not high on Trubisky. But they rated those two quarterbacks, Winston and Fitzpatrick, either one number ahead... Of Trubisky or the same number. Fitzpatrick has a 75. Winston has a 76. Both of them threw like four plus interceptions in one game. Multiple games. Like multiple times. Like I think Fitzpatrick threw like four or five. Winston threw four or five. Like 
at least with Trubisky, I don't think he has that, like, I don't think he's done that ever. Jesus Christ, man. Ale how? Ah, ah. I'm done watching this. I, I, I can't. I'm going to just start puking my guts out just looking at this list. It's terrible. It's horrible. Chicanerous, it's deceitful. I don't want to watch it anymore. But Aaron Rodgers' Madden rating is is bad, just like everyone else's record or rating. I'm not going to talk about this anymore because it's just like, what's the point? We all, I, I always establish at the beginning how ridiculous this rating system is because it's always going to be bad because they're always trying to sell more player cards in their game. So they have to lower their stats, lower everything, disrespect the players, and then the players are like, well, I'm not, like, that's, that's disrespectful. That's stupid. So I'm not going to talk about the game anymore. Or at least the ratings anymore. Because it's like, it's rehash over and over and over again. Unlike the Madden rating, something that was actually good, that happened this weekend, I saw the entirety of the All or Nothing documentary on the Carolina Panthers 2018 season. It made me actually like Cam Newton. I, I didn't, I, I bought it into that, you know, perspective of, well, Cam, Cam, he's not a team player. Cam's not a team player. Cam doesn't bring it. Cam gets the slipper. Cam is a pocket passer. You know, bought into that rhetoric. Then I started to see All or Nothing, and then I started to see Cam Newton. There was this time, there was this player. Um, I forgot what episode. There was this player that had, um, I think it was 26. It was during that Pittsburgh game. It was, it was during it. Watch the Pittsburgh episode. It was a great episode. So there's this new rookie wide receiver. Not wide receiver, excuse me, um, cornerback. Where... He's going on, and he just gets beaten by Antonio Brown. He wants uh, a flag, and he just, like, loses his shit. He, he, like, throws his mouth guard. He throws his helmet on the ground. Cam Newton picks up his helmet, walks over to the dude, and he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, chill. Like, you know, we cool. Just be cool, man. Like, we, we got this. And then you have, like, the uh, the other, like, cornerback on the on the field. He's like, come on, bro. Like, like he, he's, he's Cam Newton's hype man. And I always heard this retrospective, and he's always had that. Let me find the clip. Hold on. I found it, but I'm watching an ad. But there was that clip that everyone has seen 80 million times where it's after the Super Bowl. This was four years ago where the Panthers had just lost. Cam, Cam Newton had, like, lost the ball on a fumble. And people were asking him, like, just why didn't you fall on the ball? Why didn't you fall on the ball? Why didn't you follow the ball? Fall on the ball. Here's, and he was sacked six times in the Super Bowl. Here, here's the, uh, here's the clip. You're disappointed, 
not just for yourself, but your teammates, because you guys talked about it, your band of brothers coming in. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my whole game plan. Most of my boys got to throw the ball. Can you throw the football? And that was that was the game plan. Most of my Sorry, you couldn't hear anything, but pretty much Cam Newton just, like, got a random question, and he's like, I'm out. I can't. I can't do this. So everyone was like, on top of the, um, on top of him not falling on the fumble, on top of him, which he should have 100% have fell on that fucking fumble. There's no doubt. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have fallen on it. I think that was a touchdown, pretty much. It either set up a touchdown or it was a defensive touchdown. So, like, he should have fell on the fumble. On, uh, on top of that, you had him walking out of the press conference. It just wasn't a good look for Cam Newton after the Super Bowl. So everyone had this rhetoric of, well, he's, you know, he's not a hard player. He does, he's not a pocket passer because he likes to run and da 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 da. -da. And then on top of that, he, he he's been getting hurt. So he's just been lambs to the slaughter. And I get it now. I get why so many people like Cam Newton. And especially in North Carolina, where people are just like willing to throw themselves in front of the media and be like, fuck you guys, you guys don't know anything about a quarterback. It's because he's just a good guy. Like, after every single Carolina touchdown, he gives a football to a fan. I don't know of a lot of teams that do that. I don't know of a lot of players that do that. But he gives it to, like, a kid. He always, like, looks in the crowd, and he takes the football, unless it's, like, a record. Not a record, but it's, like, Unless it's like a first touchdown for a player on the team, he takes the football and he gives it to a kid. If it is their first touchdown, he lets them keep it. But after every single win, he runs to like the um, almost the entrance. He runs. He runs pretty much to the post. What's it called? The post, the goal post. There we go. And there are fans in like the bottom of of the fan section, right? And he goes up and he's giving fans high five as he's running towards the tunnel. It's a cool event. Like, I don't know of a lot of players that do that. I don't know of a lot of teams that do that. It's a really, really cool experience. So I understand why, why people are just so enamored with Cam Newton because he's just such a good guy. He's a good quarterback. He's a good guy who does, like, stuff for the fans is what I'm trying to say. So I saw him just being a good leader, trying. I mean, there are multiple games. He beat the Eagles 17-0 with an injury. Like, he had a sore soldier. shoulder. Shoulder, right? Sore shoulder, the great Carson Wentz that everyone else, that everyone wants to hype up and everyone wants to applaud. Like Carson Wentz has a lot of talent in this league. He can win a lot of football games for you. He can win a lot of playoff games for you. He's your franchise quarterback for the next ten years. That's why you gotta pay him thirty-two million dollars annually. Right? Everyone's been saying that. Cam Newton injured. I'm, it's not his flu game because he had he didn't have the flu obviously, but it's his playing while injured game that um, I think he uh, I don't think he had a punctured lung I don't think for some weird reason like players just get punctured lungs all the time I, I, I don't know but it was seventeen you know by the way Carson Wentz what the frick man how do you not get three points in the fourth quarter pretty much Cam Newton scored three times. Three times on the Eagles in the fourth quarter. He had like 232 yards against them with a sore shoulder. Played against the Bucks with a sore shoulder. He was balling. He was balling when he was healthy. But then that Pittsburgh game, <coughs> excuse me, 
that Pittsburgh game just like just derailed their entire season to the point in which it's like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. You had the new rookie cornerback just getting burned by Antonio Brown and having that horrible no-call pass interference. And T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's brother, hits Cam Newton square in the shoulder. And I was like, that's... Cam had, Cam had like an aggravated shoulder. I don't know the extent of his injury. But obviously, throughout the entire season, he has a, a sore shoulder that he's dealing with. And I think that play, where T.J. Watt just runs his helmet into his chest, I think that's when he re-aggravates it. I think he... Not even re-aggravates it. I think that's when he re-injures it. And that's why he couldn't, like, during the second half of the season, why he was kind of bad. At least in my opinion. At least in my opinion. That's what it looked like. But All or Nothing gave this really, really great perspective on the, uh, the Carolina Panthers and on Cam Newton. If you've ever hated Cam Newton, if you've ever disliked Cam Newton, if you have never gotten Cam Newton, that will make you get him. Playing through injuries... They had to sit him down because it was pretty much pointless. I will say this. When his backup quarterback scored the first touchdown for Carolina, Cam Newton was like the hypest player on the team. He wasn't like sitting around being like, that's my replacement. He was cheering him on. He was happy for him. And when it was pretty much like Cam Newton, when they told him the morning of, and they have like all of this on film, when they told him, he came into the, uh, the quarterback's room and the quarterback's coach was like, you gotta, like, you gotta mentor this guy. Cam was, like, a little bit unresponsive. Then he started to kind of come out of his funk and then start to tell him, I like him. I like him. I think he just needs more protection, and I think he needs to develop a pocket presence, you know? But overall, I, 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 I like Cam, you know? We'll see if, um, I think Carolina drafted Will Greer. Let me look this up. Hold on. They, they, dra they drafted Will Greer. I think that's either his uh, replacement if he does, like just if he can't play anymore, if, his, if he never gets healthy, or at least that's just a really, really decent backup until he, you know, returns from injury. But that chronic shoulder injury, uh, apparently, like, people were talking about it, like quarterback analysts, they were, they were talking about it. And pretty much what they were saying was that Cam Newton just – uses all of his upper body strength and not his lower body strength which he has these huge like he's superman and i, and I get it now again watch the documentary you'll get why cam newton is cam newton like they call him superman and i look at this dude and you can't it's hard to see cam newton on the field just how much of an athlete the dude is but he's like six six god knows how much he weighs but i mean he has a six pack and he's probably over 240 pounds how much does cam newton weigh hold on Yeah, he's 6'6", 245 pounds. That's, that's insane. And the dude has a six-pack as a quarterback. Like, there's no quarterback at the lead with, with, with a six-pack. I'm just watching this guy just play football, and I'm like, that's a big dude. And, what, and by the way, um, 
I have a stats here. Let me... Hold on. Okay, so here we go. Here's a stat. He had 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, with a 67% completion per, uh, percentage. He had a passer rating of 94. Last year, completion percentage of 59%. Since 2013, he has not had an above 58% completion percentage. Or 59% completion percentage, excuse me. It's always been like 58 59.8, 52.9, 59.1. And then in 2018, just skyrocketed to 67%. I mean, in 2015, he had his best season, MVP season, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 3,837 yards, 59.8% completion percentage, 99.4 passer rating. Probably his best overall year. Pretty good year. Pretty good year. But I think if he develops more as a pocket passer, you. and by the way, I think he threw like four interceptions in one game. And that was the game where they kind of needed him and they just like stuck him out and he was playing well injured. I think that was the, um, the game-breaking game where they were, where the owner, like at the beginning of the episode after that episode where he just like threw four interceptions, the owner was like, he's obviously can't, he obviously cannot throw the football anymore. So for me, I like Cam. I like the way he plays. I hope he, he is healthy. They always say that there's a specific time where quarterbacks kind of reach their prime. I think Cam has been relying a lot on his legs to win him games. But also, like, his stats are just all over the place. Like, I don't like his touchdown and interception ratio at all. It's barely above one. It's like two. It's like one point da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, he's thrown 182 touchdowns to 107 interceptions. Like, that's, that's not good at all. So, for me... I would like to see him uh, more as a pocket passer. And I mean, listen, you think Tom Brady, he, he his, his official height on Google is 6'5", he's 6'6". But everyone loves Brady because of how long he lasts and how much he wins. He's 30 years old. He can rip it. If he can preserve that shoulder and if he can develop more, the Turners, North Turner and his son, have done just an immaculate job at re, like, What's the what, re like re renegotiating? I don't know what the word is, but they've reformed him. There we go, as a quarterback to from this really really like developed upper body strength. Hold on, Chris Sims actually does a, a very very good job of breaking it down. Hold on, let me let me find the video for you. We got, I got an ad. It's that common Microsoft Surface tablet ad where he's like, 
We got, we got the technology of the future and we can, we can do whatever we want with Microsoft AI. <laughs> oh my God. But um, here we go. Here's Chris Sims, quarterback school. By the way, before I start this, how bad has it been for Microsoft to sign that god-awful deal with the NFL? Like, Bill Bel the first thing that you see is Bill Belichick just chunking that tablet into into like the um into the benches on on, on the team sideline like he just takes it and he's just like oh this stupid tablet you know from from now on he's been using paper i don't know if they're allowed to in a lot of coaches that they also use paper as well because they're just like we're not using this pos tablet worst thing that microsoft could do they 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 probably the nfl probably should have like talked to the coaches and had coaches use the Microsoft Surface tablet before they signed that big contract, but they were like, we see millions, potentially billions in this deal. And um, yeah, it hasn't necessarily been the best advertisement that coaches are willing to throw their $300 tablet into a chair. So there you go. Newton is the quarterback of the day. First of all, Cam Newton, let's do the grip as usual. He is two with the ring finger and then his pinky goes right on the fifth spot there in between those laces there. You know, I expected him to be a little bit of a different grip just because he's such a big guy. He's got big hands. You know, guys with huge hands in the past like Brett Favre, Brett Favre put his hands on three and then his other one, his pinky was under six. And wow, is that a big part of the football? Or you get to the quarterbacks like, you know, hey, Brady or John Elway, they put their fingers over the laces more. That's where I kind of expected to see when I saw Cam Newton. I was kind of surprised that that pinky finger is kind of underneath there, and he still grabs a relatively small part of the football for a guy that's one of the strongest, most powerful quarterbacks we've ever seen in the NFL. First of all, pretty good as far as feet, body, gets it in pretty good positions. Now, the one thing he does, maybe how we talked about Rodgers and Brady, where they get the, the shoulder turn a lot, really, and create the opposites. Cam Newton doesn't always do that. And he doesn't have to because he's so big and physically strong and gifted that he can get away with it and he's just got a naturally gifted arm. But Cam Newton, hey, maybe more times than not, you like a quarterback to be like right here with that shoulder tucked into the target. Cam Newton sometimes gets a little open like this. And when he gets open like this, okay, he does get a little shoulder turn, but maybe not as much as you'd want. But the thing that jumps out to me about Cam Newton, keeps the ball high and tight, right? Really keeps a great angle with his arm, and he does not drop the ball at all. A lot of similarities to the way he throws the ball and Warren Moon. And Warren Moon, of course, coached him coming out uh, of the draft. It comes from here to here to here almost right away. So there's no wasted motion there. The one thing that I think Cam Newton really jumps out to me too, where he gets himself in trouble at times is he can get his shoulder really high and it can sometimes lead him to be a little erratic with the football and I think make the ball sail. But for the most part, man, is he a pure thrower? He throws perfect spirals. He's got a tremendous arm and he can throw with touch and accuracy as well. This is what it kind of looks like he kind of just uh, and just muscles it over there a lot of the time. Let's get into what we think the new Cam Newton throwing motion is going to be. What I saw from that one practice that was televised and Cam Newton talking about changing his throwing motion. I saw a guy that seemed to be really making a point of getting that front shoulder to the target and staying there. And then within that, he was keeping his motion really tight. I mean, really tight to where 
it almost came to here and it was like right in here it almost skimmed the side of his helmet a few of the throws i saw and i would expect it to look more like this this year it's going to take stress off that shoulder for sure by keeping that motion so tight and close to the body the one thing i'll question though is how far he'll be able to throw it how much pace you know how hard can he throw it into tight windows that's the thing i'd like to see because of lack of reps with this new motion is this going to be a motion that says second nature? Or are we gonna get into game one, it's the second quarter, and he's gonna revert back to you know, what we see of Cam Newton and that kind of motion? Or will he stay in here and continue to be that kind of thrower? I don't know, we'll see. Only the film and the games are gonna show us that. So that's kind of like an in-depth, like academic view of Cam Newton's new throw. I know that some of it was more visual, but pretty much the overview, the gist, the TLDR, Cam Newton just muscles it with his body, with his upper body strength. Because again, he looks like Superman. He has that big, beefy, strong body, upper body. But also Cam Newton, he's an athlete. So he has really, really big legs and he doesn't do that. And a lot of the times his missed throws just came, especially when he was injured, came from having these really, really off-balanced feet. So you could have, or at least like the theory is, is that A, you can throw when you're injured because your feet, they supply the power now. That's the same thing with Prescott, where Prescott tries to use his upper body a lot instead of his lower body. So instead of having his feet set and just throwing it when his feet are set and, and getting strength with his feet, he uses upper body and he sometimes is off target. That's why a lot of quarterbacks that, that just use their off their upper body, excuse me, and their feet are, aren't set, that's why they're inaccurate, right? But when you have your feet set, you use that strength from your lower body, it takes, again, what he was talking about, that pressure, that stretch off your shoulder, and it puts it all in your legs, which your legs can take it. Legs take it now. But I thought that was an interesting little video. I thought the whole, the whole thing with Cam, um, a lot of people have been talking about his new throwing motion. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a learning. I, th I think pretty much it's going to be like Tiger Woods is someone, someone may, this isn't my analogy. This is someone else's analogy. Someone compared it to Tiger Woods' new like golf swing and how for like a year it was crap. And then the, like he won the majors or the, ma I don't know, golf tournaments, but he won an important golf tournament, like the best one after that year of just him really, really struggling. I think it's going to be something similar with Cam. I think Cam can last for an extraordinary long time, but he's got to start getting like people think that he's a runner, and I've seen him just get brutalized with head-to-head -head collisions, and it's like he's six. He looks like Superman, so people aren't calling these these obvious calls on him, and he gets so much trauma. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know how you you save him, you stop him from having injuries, you actually make some impertinent calls. He doesn't run as much as he used to, to be honest with you. So, let's move on to Comic-Con. Because I can talk about Newton all day. I can talk about the Panthers all day. If you don't like, or if you don't believe what I'm talking about, and even if you just are interested, I do encourage you to watch the Amazon Prime All or Nothing series. I do like it a lot more than Hard Knocks, because Hard Knocks is usually about a bad team. Like, this year, it's going to be about the Browns, or not the Browns, the Raiders. Next year, or last year, it was about the uh, the Browns. And as much as it is, like, for, like, headline stories and stuff like that, it's not really interesting because it's not real football, and it's usually about a bad team. 
The Panthers were actually kind of good. And yes, don't even start with me about how the Browns won seven games. Congratulations, you won seven games. But you were out of the playoffs significantly. So don't talk to me about how the Browns were just this absolutely great team or whatever. You won seven games. Congratulations. How about you went 10 and go to the playoffs? So with San Diego Comic-Con, I think it is in San Diego, this week, there was this new animated TV show that was released or that was announced for DC Animated Universe. The DC Animated whatever it's called. I don't know. It's the DC it's the DC Universe. It's the streaming scene streaming it's the streaming service. There we go. For DC, they have it up. Young Justice by the way got renewed for for a fourth season. I'm happy for that. I have not seen um, Outsiders the entire season yet because I, I'm cheap. So I'm waiting for it to come out, the entire season, to come out on, um, not on DVD, but like in August or September. And I'm just going to binge watch the entire series there. Um, but I'm very, very excited for it to get a fourth season. Yeah, Cartoon Network, you screwed up! By saying, by, for what, I, I don't even know what it was. A lot of people, I don't know why the TV show got canceled. A lot of DC, DC shows got canceled in general and in around the, the, the Cartoon Network service. A lot of people are thinking that it's because they couldn't t sell toys. If for damn sure wasn't because of the fan base. Because we watched the crap out of that TV show in 2012. They did the same thing with Symbiotic Titan. They did it with the Green Lantern show. They did it with Young Justice. They just like took a giant axe, made sure their grip was secure, and started cutting out some of their most brilliant cartoons on the network. And they were like, we can't sell toys, so we're just going to create a crappy version of the original Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go. Why the... I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Because I'm happy. I'm in a great place. Young Justice got a season four renewal. That's something to celebrate. Then they got a Harley Quinn TV show with Haley Kuka. Let me try and find the trailer for you and play it for you. By the way, while the ad is playing, this is not the Harley Quinn movie with Black Canary and the Andres. This is a new animated TV show for the DC Universe. Harley? It's me, dickhead. Ahoy! You can turn the world on with a smile. This is going to be the start of something huge. Me? 
So it was a lot of sound effects. It was a lot of singing. Let me try and break down what happened to you. What happened with, um, what's it called? With the, with the trailer, right? So pretty much it was a whole trailer for the Harley Quinn TV show that's supposed to be out. This is a really, really good thing. I said it at the beginning. I was like, listen, I'm not interested in your live action TV shows. I am interested in the animated. I'm not interested in the Teen Titans universe, the, the new one, the, the, the TV show, whatever. I'm not interested in, um, what's it called? Uh, the Doom Patrol. I've heard both of those TV shows are really, really good. I'm not interested in either one of them. I'm interested in Young Justice, and I'm interested in stuff like this, the Harley Quinn. It looks like a more adult version of the character where they were saying a bunch of uh, a bunch of curse words like shit and dick and stuff like that. By, by the way, the violence, like Joker saw, shot somebody, there was blood. Harley Quinn beat him up with a baseball bat. He, like, you saw teeth go out of his face. It was great. It's great. And um, it looks kind of like what Teen Titans Go is supposed to be, but for adults, which I could kind of get behind. But it also had some action in it. It had some action scenes in it. It wasn't just like, oh, like, like, joke, 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 joke. It was action here, some really cool stuff here, some scenes with Poison Ivy and um, the Joker and Batman and stuff like that. It was, it was, it looked like a really, really cool TV show, in my opinion. I can't wait to see it. I don't know when it's supposed to be out. I don't really care. I thought it was a really, really interesting looking TV show. But I thought I would mention that before moving on to kind of the final parts of the podcast. Before I get on the Cowboys, before I get on the boys. Jesus Christ, I have to exit and do like 80 different things. I want to talk about one thing. A couple of different things first. I'm going to talk about Jay Ajay. For starters, why haven't the Cowboys signed Jay Ajay? Like, it, it, it to me doesn't make sense that Jay Ajayi is is still a free agent. Like, I feel like Dallas should have signed him at the very least, just been like, hey, we're going to sign you. What's, what's his stats? His stats aren't terrible. I mean, he was injured the last year that he was in, um, what's it called, in Philadelphia. But the dude's stat. I mean, he played in the Super Bowl. He was a great back for um for what's it called for uh ah frick for both Miami for the Miami Dolphins they moved on from him and from Philadelphia am I missing something here where are his stats here we go here are his stats so rushing in 2000 in in his first three years in Miami what His stats are just like, what? I got, I, I'm, I'm on pro football reference. Am I seeing this right? This is what he averaged or gained. I must be missing something here. No, I'm not. Oh my goodness. 
I must be missing something here. Let me... There's no way his stats are that bad. His stats are that bad. Wow. I get it. I get it now. So, I get it. I get it. But this makes it even better. He's a 223 running back. He's six feet tall. So, he's around Zeke's, uh, Zeke's size. Born in Frisco, Texas. Guess where that's at. <clears throat> or at least very, very close to, obviously, Arlington. I think it's close. I think it's close. I don't know. I've heard it's close. But I would have liked Jay Ajayi to be like a practice squad, a third, fourth string running back. Here's the reason why. I Oh, my God. I'm surprised at how bad his statistics are. Like, he led the league. He was one of the league's leading rushers in 2016. Now I get why the Miami Dolphins, it makes so much sense now. I've always wondered why they just moved off from JHI. I was like, he's your future back. Not feature, future. As in, he is the future of that position for you. And he's not. But I still would have liked to have him because I don't think what Dallas realizes and what some people realize is that Dallas's offensive line just makes every running back better. And they just draft offensive linemen and they develop offensive linemen and their offensive linemen gain so much or they achieve so much of their potential through the Dallas Cowboys system, through their coaching staff, that I feel like if you, you can put me behind that offensive line and I can go for like a couple hundred yards in the NFL and I'm 5'7 and I weigh 145 pounds, I'd get mauled. There's no mistake, I would get mauled, but the holes would be big enough where I'd be able to run through them. I'm a small guy, so I should be able to run through them. But his stats in 2015, his yards were, he played in nine games in 2015. His yards were 187 yards, right? He then ballooned to 1,272 yards, right? This is the year that, I, that he was like on my radar and I was like, holy smokes, he's one of the best running backs in the league. In the league, excuse me. Then his third and final year in Miami. 465 yards. He had 138 attempts. So he had half of what he had pretty much with uh, in 2016 with 260 yards. And he, he's been injured. Seven games, 2017, 15, 2016 seven games in 2017 where they won by the way the super bowl 408 yards 2017 if you're wondering by the way fourth and final season or second season in philadelphia 2018 last year four games 80 45 excuse me rushing attempts and uh 184 yards mm, pretty uh how many touchdowns three one zero eight one so he's had 13 total that's really bad 2516 total rushing yards i get why he i get why he's not signed i get why he's not signed i would still take him <laughs> i would still take him to the cowboys i'm like listen behind that dominant 
not even you don't need him you don't need him as a guy who has this like he's a Super Bowl champ you don't need him as a guy who like needs to get you a thousand yards you just need him to to just take pressure off Zeke that's all you need that's all you need but I get why teams aren't taking him it kind of sucks that they aren't but I get why teams aren't taking him specifically the Dallas Cowboys going to end on cowboy conversations but listen to this I got you something interesting listen to this this is the NFL's top five duos in the NFL you're going to be surprised on who's on the list who's not on the list and I'm going to the Dallas Cowboys and no Dak is not in it Drew what it's Zeke and it's cool. Listen, okay, they like feed it. off each other so well. Listen, you got 21 in the backfield. Mm. You know what you're going to get mm. on the outside when he's in the backfield. You're going to get man-to-man coverage. That means Coop going to eat. This duel right here feeds off each other. It's a dynamic duel. I love it. I know you want the quarterback no, I, in there, I, but these two dudes right here I like special. it a lot. It's, it's the, it's the modern-day Emmitt Smith, Michael Urban. There we go. You hand the ball off to one, throw the ball up to the other one, they make plays. I like that, but Eagles I think they could be too. a little bit higher, too. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. At four. I'm going DC. Oh, I'm going AB. Back and to listen, the you traded for arguably the best receiver in the game. Okay. Gave him new money. You know what that's telling me? He gonna see so many opportunities. So many passes is going his way. I see about 1,800, about seven, about 17 touchdowns from these two right here. But this right here, hey, I'm excited to watch, man. The Bay finna be lit, like the little kids say. It's finna be lit out there doing with these two. Well, I just need AB to slow down, because we're neighbors, and he runs by my house all the time. And I'm like, look, my dog's hey, barking. Grinder. Stop. Lock the, lock the dogs up. Chilla, I'm trying Let to, but they barking out. I'm trying to sleep, JJ. I can't work with you. Who you got at number three? Number three, I'm going to Cleveland. Oh. And I'm going with the young fella. I'm going Bake Bake, and I'm going OBJ. Listen, they traded for him, too. Okay. You got Jarvis Juice Landry in the slot. So you can't really give OBJ too much attention because Juice will kill you. So you know what that means? One-on-one coverage from him. And then this is the best part about it because Bake Bake gets the ball out of his hands so fast. He go, he puts the ball place. I got I got a – I'm going to talk about Zeke and Coop. Why is he saying Bake Bake? What? It's Shake and Bake. Who says Bake Bake? It's an obvious – it's a layup. It's a layup. Shake and bake Talladega Nights. Come on, man. You're killing me. You're right. Like, let, let, let's let's move on. So, so perfect. That means yak, 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 I yak, like yak. It. And then you got OBJ. Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt coming back after eight games. It's going to be, there's a lot of expectation here. Yes. So you're just putting more on their plate. Hey. Hopefully they can handle hey, it. Hey, they can handle it. Number two. Who we, where are we going? Number two, I got to go to the cribber. You know what I mean? I'm going AR-12. And I'm going Devontae Adams. You going to Listen, Green Bay? You just heard Xavier Rose, top three receivers, toughest to guard. Okay. He put Devontae Adams in there. We're talking about a guy that can make every play. You're talking about a guy that can kill you off the line of scrimmage. So if you get up and press, don't worry about the pass interference rule because they ain't going to get a hand on him, Drew. He quick like that. Then you got AR-12 throwing him the ball. You know he could put the ball anywhere he wants to at any time. You're right top here. quarterback in Ooh, the league ever. Gonna be better. AR-12. All day, every day. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm concerned because at number two, uh. I don't know who number uh, one is. Uh, everybody like J.J. List right now, too. I know y'all like it. But number one, number I'm going one? to the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm going Bosa, and I'm going Ingram. Over listen, offensive players. Over all that. Because, listen, these are the QB hunters right here. He missed nine games last year, came back in seven, half, five and a half sacks. Okay. Now, both of them healthy. Who you going to double? 
Somebody got to get chips. Somebody got to get chips. Somebody got to get double. That means it's one-on-one for the other one. They're going to cause havoc. Filthy in that offense going to put in some work. But these two dudes right here coming off the edge, causing problems all season long. Los Angeles Chargers, please get the running back back in there because y'all can do it. First and foremost, let's start with the last one, then kind of the fir- the, the, re- the number one ranked one, Melvin Gordon, um, what's his name? Uh, jo- Mel- Melvin Ingram. There's Mel- there's two Melvins on the team. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa. Great duo. Why not make an offensive and a defensive one? So that way you don't have, because I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think, this is, this list is good. Want to know why? Brady and Edelman aren't on the list. Two Super Bowl MVPs aren't on the list. Two Super Bowl MVPs aren't on the, on the list. A league's leading MVP. By the way, for people who are like, Julian Edelman is trash, he's sandwiched in between Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice for all-time playoff receptions. Yeah. Two of the best wide receivers of all time. He's sandwiched in between them in playoff. Don't even tell me it's the Brady effect. It's the Brady effect. Brady makes everyone around him better. But he doesn't make him that good. You have to have talent. Like the reason why the Patriots went 16-0 was because they had Randy Moss and Randy Moss was mossing people. Okay? Edelman's a future Hall of Famer. Get used to it. How do you not have two super... I would... Like... And it just... It blows my mind. They, the NFL needs to fire everyone, needs to give me everyone else's paycheck right now. I'm doing them such a service by, by, by just dismantling some of this stuff and providing so much entertainment for the NFL. They need to get rid of this list. How do you not have two Super Bowl MVPs in a top five duo list? How? How? I get it. If Gronk isn't playing... But how, but how, listen, every single Super Bowl victory that the Patriots have had in this decade, Edelman has been on that, has been on that active roster. Edelman. Edelman. He's so clutch in the playoffs. He gets everything. I don't know how, I don't know how he catches the ball sometimes. He's such a little guy. He's like 200 pounds. He's like 5'10". Or something like that. Little guy, but he has a big heart. I mean, he, he talks about how Bosa and Ingram are going to go after the quarterback. Did they get after Brady in the playoffs? Was Ingram hurt? I don't know. I don't think so. I saw him pat it up. I don't think he was hurt. They didn't lay a hurt in on Brady. Yeah, they're going to dominate the league. <sighs> Who did he have? Let me let me quiet this down. Sorry if it's so fucking loud. I'll do that. Rodgers, why is, like, oh my God. Breeze Thomas, Breeze Kamara, like, Gurley, I would take even Gurley Goff over Rodgers and Adams. And he has, like, some people in the comments, by the way, said that, um, why, why is it? Like, you have um, two duos, the Beckham and Mayfield 
combo and the Derek Carr and wide receiver Antonio Brown combo, like those two duos, they haven't played in the NFL. They haven't played, excuse me, for their respective teams for a season. Like these are two new teams with two new quarterbacks. And he's like, oh, these two guys, they're going to get like 1,800 yards. Yeah, easy. Easy. No problem. No problem. No problem. There's not, there's not going to be any adjustment. There's not going to be any growing pains. Derek Carr isn't a Hall of Fame quarterback. So that's just, so he's just going to throw like Roethlisberger. Odell, yeah, me feels pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie on that. I, I, but it's like, how do you not have Brady? In Edelman, that's just, they're going to win another one. They saw that video. They saw this trash. They saw it again, and they're like, we're going out. We're going to win another one. And then finally you have the, um, God, this, this is just like such a stupid fucking list. How do you have a running back and a wide receiver as a duo? Because Dak just, Dak, Dak just sits and just hands the ball to Zeke and then throws these inaccurate passes that Amari Cooper has to make these miraculous catches for. Yeah, he just doesn't lob it in there. Some sweet throws. Because all of the, fir- the fourth down, just like, not fourth down, excuse me. Oh yeah, fourth down. I'm watching the LA game. All of those fourth down big conversions that happened late in in the second half, those were on Zeke and those were on Coop, right? Dak Prescott had absolutely nothing to do with those. It was just Coop and Zeke. Then on top of that, fourth quarter victories, Coop and Zeke. You know, it's not because Dak Prescott didn't have didn't have a, a wide receiver for the first eight games. Literally, they were doubling Beasley like they were last season. And they also didn't have Witten. They didn't have a tight end, and they didn't have receivers. So he and Michael Gallup wasn't developed yet. So literally, Dak is trying to throw to somebody. No one's getting open, and he and, 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 and Dak Prescott can't get open. He can't throw himself the football and catch it. I will always say this to my dying breath. Dak Prescott's two best seasons. He had a clear number one wide receiver, 2016. 2018. Des Bryant was still kind of Des Bryant in 2016. Okay? And he kind of had a wide receiving committee. Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Jason Witten. Right? Everyone remembers that. That first god-awful Giants game where they could run Beasley and Des drop two touchdown passes. And Terrence Williams, for the love of Christ, did not run out of bounds! So every single season, he's had a decent wide receiving community. He's won games. I'm going to get on Dak Prescott in a second. But the fact that they're like, oh, yep, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. Top five NFL duo. It's like, it makes me want to punt these guys that are in, like Maurice Jones Drew. Like, oh my God, what, what are they doing at the NFL network? What are they doing? Jesus Christ, man. How do you not have... And, 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 and let me read some of the comments. How the... This is by, like, the first person. How the hell are Drew Brees slash Alvin Kamara or Brees Thomas not on the list, but two pairs who have never played together 
are. Right? I, I, I don't know how... I, it, it blows my mind. Like, everyone just wants to create headlines. Everyone just, instead of having, like, an informed conversation, an intelligent conversation, being like, listen, you got two Super Bowl MVPs on the same roster. Two Hall of Famers on the same roster. Listen, if I was making a, a NFL, if, if aliens exist, they come down, they say, we have 11 guys, or excuse me, 22 guys that play football. You guys get to select 22 players that get to play football. Brady's going to be the quarterback. Dallas Cowboy offensive line. Not this year's, obviously, but there's going to be Dallas Cowboy offensive linemen. There's going to be Steelers. There's going to be a whole bunch of offensive linemen from a whole bunch of different teams. But it's going to be Rice, Irvin, and Edelman as my three receivers. Because you're going to have, really, it depends on who you ask. It's either going to be Rice that's going to be the X, or it's going to be Irvin that's going to be the X. My guy in the slot is going to be Edelman. Okay? And then we can debate semantics, but those are going to be my three wide receivers. Like, how do you not have Edelman? Like, obviously, it's just a jab towards Prescott, and I, I hope... I got something hot in a couple of minutes. But I just, before I get on deck, I just don't get this list. I really, really don't. It's yet another just disaster of a list from the NFL.com. And it just shows you, like, how ridiculous some, like, either this list is a fake. I, oh, my gosh, man. How do you not have Breeze and literally anyone on the Saints? I just don't get that. Or Brady. Brady is gonna like people do understand this and they and they will have a field day with him in the press for like the first month, like September, they're gonna be like, Brady's on a clip! Brady's gonna fall off the cliff! Brady's gonna lose a bunch of football games when he wins! Brady's gonna They're gonna say that for like a month. Brady is gonna shove his big giant 12 foot cleat, 12 whatever it's whatever his foot size is, down their throats. He's going to stomp on their face October onward into February. Just proving people wrong. And it's just like, learn when to shut up and just submit. Brady's not retiring until he's 45. He's probably not going to fall off a cliff until 45 when he retires. Or unless someone can figure out a way how to hit him. Which most people have not. So. Huh, man. Moving on to Dak Prescott. So, I've been talking about Dak for the past couple of weeks, and this is going to be one of the second to last topics that I talk about. Actually, I'm going to talk about Amari Cooper first. Oh, I just teased you there. Now, everyone has been debating who should get the contract for the Cowboys. Should it be Dak? Let me actually make sure Dak has it. No new news for Dak hasn't gotten developed yet. Hey, hold on. Okay, I thought I thought that Dak Prescott uh, had gotten a contract extension. There's like a there's something on uh, there's like a top story, and it's like Dak Prescott has to be. It, it's a debate. It's a debate. 
So, Dak Prescott still hasn't gotten his um, his contract extension yet. But everyone is debating, should you sign Amari Cooper or Zeke? A lot of people are saying, Zeke, listen, first and foremost with Ezekiel Elliott, until he gets his act together, seriously, seriously, until he gets his act together, which he probably will not in the coming years, I don't think you can sign him now. You got to wait. Call him on his bluff. He knows that this is probably the best season for Dallas to go to the um, to the Super Bowl. This is like the um, the season after the Cowboys won the Super Bowl and they started the season 0-2 and two with Emmitt Smith and he was like, I'm holding out. And Jerry Jones called him like that night and was like, we, we got to have you back. We, we're getting our tails whooped right now. I think he thinks it's going to be like that. I don't think so. I think if he holds out, I think you should trade him. I think you should do a running back by committee. I don't. I don't agree with with Zeke holding out. For starters, his two his contract is up in two years. It's not up next year. It's up the year after that because you can uh, you can take his fifty year option. I think. So he has two years on his contract. All of the running backs that could reset the. Uh, the um, the salary cap standard for running backs, all of them are already signed. So you're kind of just competing with yourself when it comes to resetting the market. Todd Gurley is taken care of. Le'Veon Bell has been taken care of. David Johnson is taken care of. Like every like running back that's elite, I think LaShawn McCoy has been taken care of. Like all of those big running back names have been taken care of. So you don't need to sign him now. Definitely you don't need to sign him now. Okay, you got to get Dak and Amari Cooper sign. Which, by the way, moving on to Amari Cooper, you don't need to sign Amari Cooper now either. Why do you need to not sign Amari Cooper? Let me find it for you. Don't tell me I got it off my computer. It's got to be here somewhere. Uh, frick, I don't have it. Yep, I do not have it. Let me find it once again. Hold on. You don't have a lot of wide receivers, and I was looking this up. I was looking this up today before I got on, obviously. I wanted to become, you know, a little bit prepared for this podcast, obviously. But I was looking at a lot of the NFL wide receiver contracts, and I kind of just wanted to, you know, go down the list of contracts that I thought were pretty relevant. This is by the over overthecap.com. So you have... Wide receiver names, like some of the top wide receivers who could potentially reset the cap and make it an incredibly more difficult market for Amari Cooper, or not for the Amari, for, not for Amari Cooper, excuse me, for the Cowboys to sign Amari Cooper because he could be like, listen, this wide receiver just reset the market. I want to get paid this much. I'm, I'm the best wide. He can make a whole bunch of arguments, whatever. But pretty much you have Odo Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Mike. Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon, Brandon, hold on, let me mute myself. I'm like, it's delayed a little bit. Hold on. You have Odo Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, 
Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Sammy Watkins, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Green, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allens, and then it's like you're, you pretty much enter into a crapshoot from there on. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 wide receivers that are like some of the top wide receivers in the league that are pretty much signed up until 2021, 2022. So they're not going to reset the market. They're not going to reset the wide receiver market for the next two to three years onward. And obviously there's some receivers like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are signed up until like 2024 and 2025. So you don't need to try and be cute and be like, well, let's sign Amari Cooper now. You got to sign him later on next year. The reason why you signed Prescott this offseason and I'm about to get in why you don't believe other people who say, wait, let him show what he can do. Do not believe that whatsoever. I implore you as a fan to stop believing in that. That's a fallacy. He's a franchise quarterback. He should be signed like a franchise quarterback, which is over $30 million because that's what the market dictates. The salary cap will wise and compensate for that, and he will not have the biggest quarterback contract. That is the point of you signing him now. So that way you don't have to sign 30, him for $35 million plus next year. You can probably get him under $35 million this year if you sign him right now. If you try and delay it, it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. But the only wide receiver who's constantly in contract negotiations and who is Julio Jones, and he wants more money. Let me see where he ranks overall. He ranks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. He ranks 12th, I think, as the highest paid wide receiver. He keeps just renegotiating it up and up and up. That's like the only guy that does that. Beyond that, all of the wide receivers are taken care of in the league. So you can push Amari Cooper's contract negotiations back. He doesn't even seem to press for a contract. Delay it. There's no contract that's going to reset the market. There's no Antonio Brown. There's no Mike Evans. There's no Julio Jones. DeAndre Hopkins is signed. How long is DeAndre Hopkins signed for? Let me look this up. He's signed until 2023, okay? That's four more years. Frickin' wait for Amari Cooper. There's no big wide receiver that's up in 2020. You can wait until 2021. You can wait until 2020 reasonably for Amari Cooper, okay? You can wait until next year. You gotta get Dak Prescott signed now. Gotta get him signed now. Here are the reasons why. And I alluded to this later or previously in the podcast. I alluded to Dak has been better as a quarterback when he's had a number one wide receiver. Obviously, he's had Zeke in the offensive line and all that jazz. But that collapse in 2017, Dez was not Dez. I think Terrence Williams was out for the majority of the season, so he didn't even have a number two guy, pretty much besides Cole Beasley. And they started to double up on Cole Beasley and Jason Witten. Jason Witten cannot outrun a turtle. And they had no one else on top of the offensive line being inconsistent and Zeke being out and Tyron Smith being out. That game where Dak was, I think, sacked like eight, nine times, that was the Tyron Smith left tackle being out and having Chaz Green being in. Thank God he was, he was, he, I'm not going to lie to you, I was worried that he was going to be on the team this, uh, this season. He is not. He's gone. So when Dak has had a number one option, look at how fast Amari Cooper turned the fortunes of Dallas. 
three and five to seven and one. And then you started to see Michael Gallup develop. You started to see the uh, the tight ends get better, right? Because Amari Cooper took some pressure off. And now Dak is able to throw it, sling it to a guy who can go up and go get it consistently. Very, very reminiscent of Dez. Even though Dez's way was one way, it was the back shoulder fade, boom, over the top. Don't even try and say, well, Dak Prescott missed that. That's Bryant on a lot of passes. Des Bryant was still an official wide receiver in 2017. Why did it take almost eight months for someone to sign him? It, and it was the Saints, and it was like a couple of weeks they were supposed to play Dallas. Okay? Why did it take so long for a team to sign him? Oh, I know why. It's because nobody wanted him, because they all saw the same tape. They saw the same tape. He has two routes, an in-breaking, an in-breaking route and a back shoulder fade. Don't even try to pull the tape of him in 2012 when he's running like certain out routes. So you're going to pull tape from 2012, 2013 of him running an out route seven years ago when he obviously cannot run a lot of in-breaking routes, which are the types of routes, or he cannot run a lot of out-breaking routes, which are routes that can ex be expanded upon. And as a DB, all you have to do because you know he's not going to run past you is get better leverage inside and you take away like pretty much the only route that he can run. That's your plan. So Dez can just keep Dez because he can only run two routes. Okay. Just take away the end. Where is he going to go? On the comeback? On the back shoulder? That's pretty much it. He was great in 2016. Obviously, he had his first and only 100-yard playoff game against the Packers, obviously. I'm not taking away from that. 2017, he wasn't very good, obviously. Don't just show the throws that Dak missed on him. Show the throws that he was covered like a blanket. Here are the reasons why you sign Dak Prescott. How many reasons do I have? Let me count them up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 reasons. Let me tell you the 10 reasons. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, a healthy Zach Martin, a stronger Connor Williams, Blake Jarwin, the three-touchdown guy in New York against the Giants, and, and Dalton Schultz. We all know the reason why Amari Cooper is one of those big reasons for Dallas. We all know why he's the reason that Dak is going to play a lot better. But my second reason, if you were paying attention, I get it, I read it fast, maybe you, you know, it was hard to understand. That second reason was number 13. I remember some smart alecky reporter said that, are you sure you want to wear that number, number 13? Isn't that a bad luck number? What? Let me play you some 13 highlights. You'll hear, you'll hear them in a second. You'll hear, by the way, these are playoff highlights. Playoff. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Playoff highlights of Michael Gallup. And a nice play on first down. Under a minute to go. Clock continues to run. McDougal on the stop.
Prescott. Jarwin. First down. Blake Jarwin. It's coming up. I know. It's coming up. By the way, Blake Jarwin was my uh, 11th reason. Or 8th. I don't know how many numbers I had. I, I forgot already. But he was like the second to last. Blake Jarwin. Making a lot of plays. Jarwin was a walk off from Mario Cooper at the bottom. Prescott for Gallup. Not there. On second down, same play. Pass is caught. Gallup. Touchdown. And a perfect throw from Dak Prescott for the 11-yard score. One-on-one, -on -one and, and this time they're able to connect. You're right. A well-thrown ball by Dak Prescott, and even with good coverage by Griffin, Gallup able to haul that in for the touchdown. That was obviously from the Seahawks playoff. Oh, wait. The Seahawks playoff game against the Cowboys. That is the first touchdown for Dallas. I said somewhere that I think um, Michael Gallup was like the only player for Dallas that had two touchdowns or had a touchdown in both playoff games. Let me retract that from the uh, from the record. That's not true. He just had a lot of big plays. That was one of them. This is another. Justin 20. Prescott not able to get rid of it. Throws now has Gallup. What a catch. Down near the two. The one in coverage once again. Prescott's able to buy a little bit of time. Joiner just gets caught and, and there's no coverage then in behind him. I couldn't tell exactly if it's man coverage and that was his guy, but regardless, a bust to where Gallup's able to get in behind him and Prescott delivers a perfect throw. Challenge flag thrown by Sean McVay. Let me let me break down that play. That was such a Des Bryant play, almost. It wasn't like he went up and got it. It was just that he caught it brought it down, secured it, and pretty much just got on the one-yard line. It was so similar to the Des Bryant play in Green Bay where he slammed it and tried to reach across the goal line. But here it was more amazing of a catch because I think he caught it. Let me mute the clip. He, like, caught it really, really awkwardly. He caught it with his left arm, and he secured it with his right forearm. Like, he pinned the ball on his right forearm. Great catch by one Michael Gallup. I thought it was a touchdown. I was like, dang. That was a great catch. Caught it with his left hand, secured it with his right forearm. Almost his elbow, really. It was a great play. But I don't know if they did... Yeah, so what, what type of route is he running? He's pretty much running an out route, which Gallup is known for at Colorado State for running an out route. Now, if you saw the Houston Texans game, the Houston Texans game, yes, the, the game where where Dallas lost. In my opinion, I thought they could have won it. Especially because of that stupid DeAndre Hopkins. Frickin' like, spin cycle, three spins. How the frick did he not get tackled? But I saw that game, and, and, and by the way, why the frick did Jason Garrett not run that football against the Houston Texans? In overtime, you know it's Deshaun Watson, you know it's DeAndre Hopkins, you run that football, you win the game! 
You play to win the game! Or else why are you playing to begin with? So, Jason Garrett does not run it on that fourth down. And a lot of the times, a lot of the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers are clumped up. Dak is scrambling out of the pocket, and he's, like, trying to direct traffic. He's trying to say, go up the field so I can pass you the football. Because if you don't go up the field, you're going to just be in the same spot. The defense is running the, towards the same side of the field that I'm scrambling on. If I run left, the defense shifts left. If I run right, the defense shifts right towards my receiver. So what Gallup does, once Dak is in trouble, he runs straight up up the field because he understands defense is going to be here if, if when Prescott gets here. When Prescott shifts left, he's going to, he's like the defense, the, the, the free safety, he's going to come down to try and tackle me once I get the ball or to cover me, excuse me. There's no, but the, the DB has to, has to sprint to catch up to Gallup and Dak hits him in full stride. It's fine. Hits him in stride. Ah, it's a beautiful pass. It's an out route. It's just a simple out route. Boom. Beats the DB. Nobody's to the right. Dak, Dak scrambles outside of the pocket to the left. There is one Michael Gallup. What a fucking catch, man. What a, what a play. And this is what I was watching in the Houston Texans. I was like, during the Houston Texans game, I was like, Dak is, Dak cannot initially get any of his receivers. Like, all of his receivers are covered. He has to scramble outside of the pocket to buy time to get some of the receivers open. And Cole Beasley, I think that, that week was like, we're open. We're just not getting the passes. And it's like, well, are you open when he's trying to throw you the ball? Because he has to look towards one side, look towards the other, trying to look. Are you open? Because it's all about timing. Are you open when he's about to throw you the ball? Because if you aren't open, because he has to go through his progressions. Are you open? Because the answer is no. Because of Dak, I'll throw it to him when he's open. He said that in 2016 against that when, 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 when people were saying, why aren't you throwing it to Dez? Said, I'm throwing to Dez when he's open. Cole Beasley, throw it to you when he's open. You haven't been open when you he needs to throw you the football. Dak isn't an, om, an, an omnipotent, an omnipresent quarterback where he can just throw the football whenever he feels like it, whoever and wherever he needs to throw it. He can only throw it to you when he's open. So get open, Cole Beasley. And Michael Gallup figured out a way within the system, within Dak Prescott, to me, better than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, I think he's a better pre-snap wide receiver than Gallup, in my opinion. I think, depending on the type of play that Dallas is running, Amari Cooper can get open better than Michael Gallup. Post-snap, I think it's all about that Gallup. I mean, this is, this is just an absolutely beautiful, a beautiful play by Michael Gallup. He sees his quarterback in trouble. Instead of standing around like he may have, may have done at the beginning of the season, he understands, boom, I'm off. He raises his left hand. He's like, pass me the ball, sprinting towards the end zone. And, and this ball, oh my God, this ball is so insane. I, I, watch it. It's, it's on the NFL's YouTube channel. It's Cowboys versus Rams divisional round highlights it is such a beautiful ball the placement of it is, is perfect it's not going to be contested because it's thrown on the outside almost near the pylon rather than on the inside so it's a little bit off but the db can't like this is where you want a, a ball 
where a receiver can catch it, right? The DB can't contest it. Gallup takes off. He's not that fast. The, the guy, the DB catches up with him. And again, he catches it in full stride, but it's a little bit to his left, which is why he, he, he catches it with his left hand. It's a little bit to his left. And he brings it in. He secures it. I don't know why people hate on Dak Prescott. This play is why you sign him this offseason. Because he made that play with Michael Gallup. You think he's not going to make similar plays like this next season with Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper? On that wide receiving core? Shout out to these. Come on, man. He be, And by the way, that, that was probably the best play that he had the, uh, during the second half. It was not the only play he made. He, he had a phenomenal second half. To me, it was better than Amari Cooper's. But, oh, my God, man, this, this play. Was it a touchdown? Uh, no, just short. It was like the one-yard line. But I'm telling you, it's going to be like he has Amari Cooper. Dak now has what he had in 2016 except he as a player is better and i think he has overall better i think amari isn't as good as as des when it comes to just going up and getting footballs but man is he a better route runner which fits dak's play style better but then i think he has a better number two and michael gallup if not a, a little bit experienced inexperienced because well he had bryce butler but bryce butler played the axe and i think bryce butler had the same connection that Michael Gallup now has with with Dak. I mean, this is this is such a this is such an important play for the Cowboys in the playoffs and Gallup just just goes up, makes the correct play, understands Dak Prescott is in trouble and they need a big play. It's first and 20 by the way. At um at the Rams is 46 yard line. They need a big play. And Dak just throws it towards pretty much the one-yard line, and Michael Gallup comes back and gets it. Not comes back and gets it, but just gets it. It's such an important play because of the scramble that Dak Prescott gets, but most importantly, it's also the understanding of what Michael Gallup needs to do. He doesn't need to just keep on standing on, on that route. He doesn't need he, He's found the hole in the zone. He's found it. All right, go up. Go up, get that football. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. That's what you like to see from your number two wide receiver. Understanding quarterback, understanding what he needs to do. From the number from the number three guy, Randall Cobb. Again, when Dak has had a legitimate wide receiving core, when he's had three guys that can go up, that can get the football. There's this. I wish I had it. Let me. This is this. Um, let me find it. Hold on. Watching, watching an ad for the NFL, not for the NFL, for um, Grand Canyon University. Why, why did I just say that? Should, should have just said an ad. I'm not getting paid by you, Grand Canyon University. The reason why I said it is because they were they were showing a bunch of like Air Force and military commercials. I, I thought it, I thought I, I thought I needed to say it. But with um with Randall Cobb, 
they um i forgot who said this i i, I gotta give credit where credit is due but there is this beautiful play that randall cobb made that on his best day cole beasley for show for show would never have made it was the play where rogers that's not it rogers just chunked it i'm gonna get another ad here how fun is it to get two ads within 10 seconds of one another even though you haven't watched more than 30 seconds of a 12 minute video it sure is fun for me i enjoy it a lot that's levante adams Oof! sorry for the voice crack <clears throat> where is it where is randall cobb where's the randall cobb touchdown that i'm trying like i'm trying to find the randall cobb touchdown Aaron Rodgers pretty much just threw an interception to uh, to a bear DB. There we go. I think it's third and ten. Maybe this is the play? This seems like the play where he just throws pretty much a slant. Yep, this is the play where it's third and ten. It's two minutes, 29 seconds. Wait. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I muted myself. It's third and ten. The Packers need a touchdown. They, it's 23-17, Chicago, 2-29 left in the fourth quarter. They need a touchdown. Listen to what happens next. Sorry for that. Sorry for that popping. I'll be better. Serving, fires, that's caught, Randall Cobb into Chicago territory. Randall Cobb inside the 20-yard line. Randall Cobb is going to score. That play tied the game. 23-23 all. 2-13 left in the quarter. I think Green Bay goes on to win it because Trubisky, he's not clutch. 75 yards that is crazy on his best fastest day cole beasley cannot get gas like that a lot of green bay fans this is khalil max debut game he's on he's on the ground taking a knee because he's like i we just lost the game when he can maneuver around the pocket, when he can buy time, some of his veteran players, in this case, Randall Cobb, know how to do a second move. He makes a second move down the field, and there's nobody there. Eddie Jackson had him in coverage. They stay with the blocks. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Remember what the uh, the play-by-play -play announcer said remember what he said i'll play it back for you if you didn't catch it when he can maneuver around the pocket when he can buy time some of his veteran players in this case randall cobb know how to do a second move he makes a second move down the field and there's nobody there eddie jackson had him in coverage they stay with the blocks It's again very, very similar to that Michael Gallup play. Michael Gallup understood. All right, my quarterback scrambling out of the pocket. I cannot, like, I got to move. I got to have a second move. I got to go up the field now. 
runs up the field, beautiful catch on like the Rams' three, four yard line. He got tackled pretty much at the one, right? Now, obviously, Randall Cobb has had issues with injuries. Do I think that he's going to play all 16 games? Probably not, unless like Dallas is specific, unless he becomes like unexpectedly healthy, which I think he's like 30 or 20 something years old. He's like 20, I don't know. I don't know. But once he gets healthy, like not even healthy, but let's say at the end of the season where you got to play, let me look up the Cowboys schedule really, really quickly, where you got to pretty much play the Rams, the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me just do this. There we go. Oh, my God. Hold on. Where you got to play. The Rams, the Bears, the Eagles, and Washington in four weeks. And then you got to play the Vikings and the Patriots. And you also have to play Green Bay, the Saints. You got to play some pretty elite teams, right? With some pretty elite players. You got to have some playmakers. You got to be able to go. You either have to have an Aaron Rodgers or a Brady, which obviously the Cowboys do not, or you got to have some playmakers. And now they got Coop. They got Gallup, they got Cobb, they got Dak's safety net, his blanket that he goes nighty night with. <laughs> I'm just imagine like like Dak Prescott is going to sleep and and and, and Jason Garrett hugs him, not Jason Garrett. <laughs> Jason Witten like hugs him to sleep like nighty night Dak. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you got Jason Witten, obviously. Like it, he he's gonna be both. A lot of people say he's going to be effective in the red zone. I think also he's going to be a first down guy. First down! I think he's also going to be a really, really great pass and run blocker. In my opinion. So you got four deep. Then on top of that, you got some prospects like John John Bay Johnson. Everyone likes him because he's a speedster. Imagine. And by the way, let me look up. Look up the wide receiving roster. Let me look it up real fast. I got a lot of weird search results. Like I got like Harold Carmichael. No idea. No idea why I got him. I even got a, a national I got I even got like What? I even got like a former linebacker. I have no Devin Smith. Why? Okay, so as wide receivers, this is currently listed pretty much. We have Tavon Austin, Randall Cobb, John Vega Johnson, Lance Lenore, Amari Cooper, Alan Hearns, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson. If you ask me right now, who would I want? Who would I cut? I would probably, we'll see how good Hearns is. Really? 
what I want Hearns to be is someone that you can put in the mix. Because remember, I don't think Randall Cobb is going to play all 16 games. So you got to have someone who can come in and be that third guy who Dak can throw to, who's going to have that third string, that not that third string, that third DB on. Is it going to be Alan Hearns, who's who's an experienced guy? You know, is it going to be him? He's I think a five-year player. Is it going to be Alan Hearns? Is it going to be Cedric Wilson, who who was hurt all last year? who is a slot receiver, I think. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Noah Brown, who everyone has been hyping up and everyone likes a lot? He's been with the Cowboys for three years, I think. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Hearns? Is it going to be Gallup? Or is it going to be John V. Johnson? Is it going to be one of these three guys who's going to be able to, to just help out Dak, be that extra bit of support for Dak? It's got to be one of those guys. Obviously, Tavon Austin is there. I don't like him as much um, just because he gets hurt a lot and he hasn't really fit into the scheme yet. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him especially. But I'm more focused on John Vay Johnson, Hearns, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson. Those are the four guys to me. I, I, don't, I don't have that much faith in Lance Lenore, to be honest with you. Those are the four guys, Gallup, Brown, Wilson, John Vay Johnson that can probably not Gallup, excuse me, but Wilson, Bra sorry, Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, Alan Hearns, and John Vay Johnson. Those are like the four guys that one of those guys is going to be the odd man out. Like one of those guys. So either it could be John Vay Johnson, it could be potentially Cedric Wilson or Noah Brown. But one of those four guys is going to be the odd man out for this year, and it's going to be like Dak needs like. He doesn't need, but it would be nice to have, like, someone who could be that third, like, pretty much a Cole Beasley, for example, when Randall Cobb is out, because I don't think he's going to play all 16 games, obviously. If he is going to be, if, if he is going to play all 16 games, then fine. But if he isn't, which I think he won't, I think he won't play all 16 games, then you got to get a third string guy in the slot. I heard Cedric Wilson is actually pretty good in the slot, but we'll, we'll see. He got hurt last year in training camp. We'll see. Travis Frederick is another reason why Dak is going to be absolutely immaculate. By the way, I pretty much list all of his offensive line. <laughs> I list uh, Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, a healthy Zach Martin. Remember, he had that knee injury in training camp, and he had to miss some games. And by the way, Dak Prescott still played pretty good. I think he wasn't in that Atlanta game. I don't think he was in that Atlanta game. So remember... Dak isn't playing with all of his offensive line, and he's still being able to win games without his offensive line. I mean, I'm not going to check. I'm pretty sure it was that that Atlanta game, but obviously if you don't want to say, well, it wasn't the Atlanta game, then look at the Giants game where he pretty much had no starters on the offensive line besides a couple of guys. At least he didn't have his three pro bowlers. Didn't have Travis Frederick all season. Zach Martin wasn't healthy. Tyron Smith is always unhealthy. Connor Williams, he finally got stronger. And obviously, I mentioned Blake Jarwin earlier, and I also mentioned Dalton Schultz, who I think will be a little bit better. But I think Dalton Schultz will definitely be a lot better. I think he's going to be more of a reliable. I think he's going to be the future of the Titans. We'll definitely see. But I tell you, man, if you're a Dak Prescott hater, and if you are expecting him to lose a bunch of games this year, if you're expecting him to not be as good, 
All signs point to hell to the no. You need to get off that soapbox. If you're a Cowboy fan and if you're expecting Prescott to flop, you need to get off of that. It is like lightning. Hold on. It is pitch black outside, and it's like 7 o'clock. It never gets this dark this quick. So I'm going to have to get off soon. But if you are one of those people who is expecting Dak Prescott to flop, to have a horrendous season this season, get out of that soapbox, get off that platform as quick as you can. He has way too many offensive weapons on the bit. Like, imagine if one of those guys that I just mentioned, right? Just imagine, because we already know Amari Cooper is going to be great. We already know... Let me unplug my computer. I don't want it to just short circuit on me. We already know Amari Cooper is going to be great. We already know Randall Cobb is a really, really good veteran wide receiver for a scrambling quarterback, which obviously Dak is. Okay? We know that Michael Gallup had improved... A lot of people are talking about sophomore slump. I don't believe in sophomore slump for a wide receiver who shows that type of production and who's a second who's a second wide receiver. We're talking about Amari Cooper's probably going to get dub doubled. Cobb and Gallup are going to have man-to-man -man coverage. You don't think Gallup... Who are we playing against next season? You don't think against the Giants, Washington, the Dolphins, and the Saints, Gallup isn't just going to be open? Maybe not against the Saints, but against the Packers and the Jets and the Eagles? You don't think they're going to be like, oh, let's let's get Coop. We play the Giants, and I get it. You know, we're playing up against some pretty good secondaries, the, the Lions, the Vikings. Um, I, I, I don't know about the Jets. I know the Saints. They have some pretty good DBs. Yeah, what about the Dolphins? I don't know anything about the Dolphins. They suck. They always lose. The Patriots, they they got Belichick, so they don't – Belichick could put me on the football field, and I would be able to cover some of the NFL guys. That's how good he is as a head coach. They got the Bills. The Bears, they have one of the best defenses in the league. The Rams, I don't know if they still have Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib, but boy, are the Cowboys foaming at the mouth and get an opportunity to go back to L.A. and smack some Rams around. Then they got the, the Eagles, and they finished with Washington. You don't think some of the teams that are going to play against Dallas this season are going to be like, we have to stop Amari Cooper because he made the Cowboys 7-1 and one when he was there and he, he and when he wasn't there, they were 3-5. and five. You don't think that teams are going to put 2-2 two and two together and be like, oh, okay, well, let's double up Gallup. Not Gallup, Coop. And Gallup is free. He's free. He's wide open. Fade away. Fade away. Jesus Christ. We're talking about the two guys on the team. One's getting doubled. One's going to have man-to-man -man coverage. You don't think Gallup is going to be able to smoke some of these guys like barbecue chicken in Texas, in Central Texas? Come on, now. Come on, now. Come on, man. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to warn you. Make it quick. Make it easy. Do not bet against Dak Prescott this season. He, is, he has way too much stuff. On top of his actual wide receivers, the starters, I mentioned it, and I, went and I went into detail about it. Also, the second string guys. Johnson, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson. One of those guys, if they pop, if they get it, it's going to be a bad year. For <laughs> it's going to be a bad, a bad year for people who hate the Cowboys. It's going to be a great year for people who love the Cowboys and who love Dak Prescott like I do. This has been 24. 
This has been my podcast, 24's podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Let me play you off. Let me play you off a song. Hold on. I gotta go. I've really, really enjoyed the time that we spent together. Almost two hours. Excuse me, two hours. But like the song says, I gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go handle your business. I gotta go handle my business. If you like the podcast, subscribe. Give it a heart. Give it a like. Again, we're available across a lot of platforms. We got some more stories. Dallas Cowboys training camp this week. A lot of teams are going to training camp. So a lot of interesting stuff is going to happen. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you next time.